Hello, everyone, and welcome to the On The Map podcast. I'm David Beats, and today I spoke with Jonathan Singer with GuidePoint Security. Uh, he talked about things that uh, you can do while you're working from home to, to be more secure. Um, he also talked about uh, ways that you can um, have your construction sites and, and buildings more secure. And then lastly, he had some really good things to say about uh, things that you can do when you start traveling again um, to, to be more um, careful with your, with your devices. So we're going to jump right in to the conversation with Jonathan Singer at GuidePoint Security. Uh, welcome, John. Great. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on here. Now, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what GuidePoint is and, and kind of what, what you do there? Absolutely. So GuidePoint Security, we are an all-around enterprise security company. When you think of things like firewalls and antivirus, we are there to help you get the right equipment and to support those uh, pieces of software and appliances. But we also help you with like security planning, strategy. Um, we even uh, do auditing and uh, all kinds of testing to help you determine if the bad guys can get into your environment. We'll be the good guys to help you fix it before the bad guys actually do. Okay. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, obviously, you know, a lot of people are working from home now, um, you know, with everything that's going on. Do you have any, you know, any um, kind of advice for, for things that people need to be thinking about, you know, working from home that, that maybe they're, they're not thinking about now? Uh, absolutely. It's definitely a different time. Um, but a lot of the original basics still do apply, right? When it comes to good cybersecurity, uh, we should be doing the basics, right? Having a good, strong password that still shouldn't stop us, uh, whether we're working from home or from an office. Uh, other things you should consider is keeping your software up to date. As new patches come out, they fix different bugs, and those, you know, you should be keeping an eye on those things. When your software says it needs to be updated, instead of clicking maybe tomorrow, consider doing it sooner than later. So those are just a couple of quick things that you could already be doing on your own um, at home. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people are using Zoom now, you know, that, that have never used Zoom before. And, um, I think that with that comes some, maybe some inherent risk that people never really, you know, thought about. Um, do, do you, do you have any examples of kind of what's going on with Zoom? Cause I think I read that SpaceX recently kind of banned all use of Zoom um, at, in their, in their headquarters. Um, I haven't read that particular one. It's quite possible. Um, Zoom is getting a little bit of flack in the news right now because it's becoming quite the popular target. Uh, they've grown significantly, and um, even the FBI put out a warning for how to secure your Zoom sessions. Right. Um, there are, think of it like a, a Zoom chat is like a telephone number. People can guess different numbers, and they can accidentally drop in, or intentionally, on your Zoom meeting, and that has caused quite some havoc. Imagine somebody uh, taking over the screen share or making very loud, obnoxious noises just to disrupt. They could also stay silent and listen to maybe what your business is talking about. So there's different things to, you know, watch out for. And there, it's, it's not a, a lost cause. There are ways to help prevent some of this and defend against it. 
And, and I think some of that, you know, when we were chatting yesterday a little bit, you know, some of that is resulting from a lot of folks that are not working right now. And so they have kind of extra time on their hands to, you know, try to go out there and create problems. It is. Uh, it, it's kind of sad that uh, people want to take advantage of the situation, but um, but I think it also comes that the bigger the company uh, is and the more attention they get, the bigger of a target gets put on them by different hacking groups to disrupt um, or maybe uh, you know take advantage of these different companies. And so Zoom has come into that spotlight, just like any other large company uh, has in the past. Yeah. Okay. And and so um, tell us maybe a little bit about um, some of the the typical clients that that you usually work with. Is this do you usually work with like really big companies or small companies, or is there a certain kind of um, client that that you you know work with on a daily basis? So when we're talking about uh, the customers that GuidePoint uh, gets brought into, uh, we uh, we cater to the people that you see on TV. You use their products every day you visit their websites. Um, we focus a lot on uh, fairly large companies that are looking to build a robust, well-rounded security approach. That doesn't mean that we can't help uh, the small medium businesses um, and we have ways of assisting them or even referring them to somebody that better fits what their needs are. Uh, right. But generally we, we will focus on the, the toughest challenges that are out there. Yeah, okay, okay, very good. Um, and, you know, and as far as challenges, there's, you know, with all this COVID-19 stuff going on, there's a lot of misinformation, you know, out there, um, you know, that's being spread, you know, from, you know, on, online. Is, is, there, is there any way, any kind of particular way that you can, um, I don't know, that, that, you can, that you can verify information, you know, a little bit better, just, just with all the kind of misinformation going around? You know, that is a really big problem right now, especially with all this uh, new free time we have on our hands, especially right. working from home. Uh, social media has been uh, kind of a way for us to stay connected with our friends and family, mm -hmm. uh, even more so than before, since we have uh, social distancing. And that could provide all kinds of opportunity for different groups and different uh, maybe nation states to feed us information that may be harmful or just not true in general. There was a, an example where a celebrity was recently on TV and they touted some um, statements that were 100% inaccurate that were you know, debunked entirely by the online community and even National Geographic. Right. And uh, the problem that happened was that, you know, it was some of this stuff is hopeful, right? These are the ways to stay safe or these are the great things that are happening now that we're doing social distancing but there's key elements of it that are um, fabricated. And so, you know, one of the best ways to stay on top of these things is to use a trusted source, something like a, uh, like some put out by National Institute of Health um, or uh, a different, or CDC. Both of those are gonna be great resources. They keep their websites online, active, up to date, and any of that information is gonna come directly from the source, right? These are the people that are helping design um, the proper mechanisms to stay safe. And that's what should be perpetuated throughout our social media, not something that's made up or uh, intentionally deceptive. Right, right. And, and talking about other countries, um, I think you mentioned that there are some countries that, are, that have developed some apps that kind of help 
what that help kind of track people that are maybe uh, recovering from the coronavirus or maybe they're they're in quarantine and, and they can't leave their house or something like that. Um, can, you, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So technology is still our best friend in this case. And um, there are governments in other countries that are using technology to help um, follow what we'll call maybe herding of people, right? When you travel or who you're meeting with and where you're going. In fact, um, in Taiwan, they're actively using cell phones to uh, encourage you to stay at home and track people that have been tested positive for COVID-19. And that gives, um, you know, health officials the ability to stay in communication with the individual, how they're doing, but also just kind of that awareness that they're, you know, they're not going out, they're not interacting, and they're not um, causing uh, and more spread, right? They're helping that curve and bringing it down. Yeah, yeah. As as far as um, you know, we a lot of the customers that we work with are you know grocery developers and and um, you know grocery anchor center developers as well as the grocery anchors themselves. Uh, when it comes to like like the physical sites of construction sites, what you know, what what security vulnerabilities have you have you come across? You know, um, the physical sites is a whole nother aspect of it. You know, in our industry, when we're uh, well, you know trying to break into companies and compromise their data, just like any other um, you know attacker would do. Uh, the other way to do it is that if we can't get into the computer, we will try to physically steal it, and that's still a reality in this world. Right. And physical access um, is still going to win at the end of the day, right? You can have some of the best uh, security features when it comes to the cyber world, but if you're not protecting your equipment and your hardware, that can still uh, end up in growing a pair of legs, right, and walking away. Um, and especially when it comes to uh, buildings, uh, you know, having a good access card uh, and access key systems is going to be very important. Yeah. Um, you know, even down to the type of lock you use can make a big difference. The, there is still the ancient art of lock picking and an old cheap lock uh, can easily compromise your entire business. And that also accounts for those access cards, the little plastic key cards that you have that you swipe. Um, those can be cloned. Uh, even from a distance, I can walk past you in a hallway or in a public space and make a copy of that access key. And so, um, you know, reaching out to those vendors and making sure that you're using, uh, a, you know, a high grade, high security system is going to uh, take you a long way when it comes to keeping it secure in the physical realm. Yeah, yeah. And, and didn't you say that a lot of the, the actual uh, equipment, like the, the dirt moving equipment and that kind of stuff is, is pretty open to um, security vulnerabilities? Yeah, not, not to promote this, but uh, it is possible to acquire the master keys to almost every type of loader, forklift, um, and any other kind of large um, construction or moving equipment. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's a little known uh, fact that they all use pretty much the same key on each brand. And, um, and there's a good reason for that. You know, they, they designed it that way because people were constantly losing keys or taking them home with them. And so if there is one common key, you can have multiple copies of it and everybody can have one on the site. Now that does leave the, the ability to potentially um, steal one of these or hijack one. Um, and my suggestion would be to have some kind of GPS tracking system on that device to 
prevent that. It, it is known um, by people in the locking, lock picking industry and by thieves that they do use the same keys though. Interesting, very interesting. Um, and then you mentioned there are some, some ways that people can, what, clone the uh, electronic keys to get in to buildings? Is, is that something where you have like some kind of mechanism in a briefcase or something like that and it steals some kind of code in that key or kind of how does that work? Yeah, it's, it's very passive. You can do it um, from about a, a foot away very easily. So just brushing up against somebody or walking past them in a public space. And those cards have an antenna. Think of it as kind of like a, a remote device. And so anything with an antenna will transmit and receive. And the idea is that the data in that card can easily be uh, copied. And then you can basically make a new one. We'll call it cloning. And now suddenly, uh, whatever access your key had, I now have that same level of access. So if right. I need to get to the front door, great. If I need to get into the server room, even better. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, you know, as, as far as we kind of mentioned the disinformation campaigns, um, do you see any disinformation um, like this, you know, that are used to attack specific companies or industries? Or is it mostly just kind of misinformation designed just to kind of create just kind of chaos? Um, you know, it depends on the time of year, right? We've seen uh, misinformation and disinformation campaigns around politics. We're definitely starting to see it around uh, health, especially with the, the current situation. Um, there's also uh, misinformation campaigns with the sole intent of just dividing people, right? right? Um, there are powers and forces out there that do not want us to um, get along, right? They want America divided. They want people to be in conflict and to uh, be upset about something, right? And compromise themselves. Um, there's also all kinds of interesting um, things on social media to watch out for with regards to personal information. If you've ever seen any of those fun little surveys that talk about what's your favorite color and what's your first pet and what's the first street you were lived on and all that fun little historical information about your personal life, right. have you ever wondered why those questions are so intricate? They're the same questions that are used to reset your password on your banking site and on all of your other portals. Oftentimes, you can collect all kinds of information on people just by asking them simple questions. You can profile them. You can even help guess their password because people tend to use things that they're comfortable and familiar with when they're you know, determining their passwords. Interesting. Maybe like a, like a dog's name or you know, a combination of, yeah, I mean, I guess there's all kinds of different things. Yeah, it. I mean, the, yes. you've probably yeah. heard of, oh, what's your mother's maiden name or, you know, things like that. But uh, the reset passwords are trying to get a little bit more personal. And that just means that the surveys are starting to ask more personal questions. Your favorite, you know, second grade teacher. That's, why would anybody need to know that? But equally, that information could be used to reset a password somewhere if that was the the backup question that you chose. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Um well, as, as more companies are providing grocery delivery services and, and that type of thing, um, you know, are there, do you see any vulnerabilities or, you know, if, if, if I'm a grocery retailer, are there things that maybe I should be thinking about that I'm not thinking about now? You know, it's, it's really tough, right? This is uh, an interesting opportune market when it comes to stuff like e-commerce and 
retail grocery, right? Um, the delivery services uh, are touted as wonderful, right? The opportunity for somebody else to, to I hate to say it, but risk their health and safety to, to get you what you need in this gig economy. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the third party companies are taking a lot of the risk when it comes uh, financially and, and for fraud and things like that, since uh, they are the ones accepting for the transactions. Uh, but e-commerce is still an active target. You know, um, credit card numbers being stolen from online websites, especially because a lot of businesses are now having to figure out how to move online to keep their sales and keep their business going. And right. certain opportunities may arise where it, you know, maybe you've skipped a step or you're not doing it as well as you could have because you're kind of in a rush. And so making sure that you still consider cybersecurity uh, and every part of your business uh, is going to be critical. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not going to stop the credit card rings from uh, trying to hack into different websites and try to hack different things. I mean, just as recently as the other day, I mentioned, um, you know, Marriott even got hit. So it doesn't matter if you're a big company or a small company, uh, you're still a target and you, you know, people are bored. People are going to want to go after uh, different systems, especially when we're not looking or when we're busy working from home and not at the office or at the data center. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, we should be a little bit more vigilant right now. Well, and in in addition to Marriott, um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about. I know a couple famous hacks were uh, Best Buy and Target over the last you know couple of years. Can you maybe just tell us a little bit about kind of what happened in those those retailers? Absolutely, we can we can talk about uh, Best Buy first since it's the simplest. It was. Quite a, a couple of years ago, but it should still, you know, heed a warning that uh, attackers were sitting in the parking lot in their cars, and they were able to access the wireless network of the store. It was uh, a, a good enough distance away that nobody could see what they were doing, but still had a good connection. And the uh, the network that was behind the wireless uh, wasn't set up properly or securely enough. And the attackers were able to access the cash registers over the stores wireless openly. And that um, brought a very quick and, and hastily lesson to securing Wi-Fi and also making sure that your networks are separate, where if guests have access to one, then stores and employees uh, should be separated. And that brings us to Target. Target was a tough story where um, their large HVAC machines and equipment um, so big that they're driven by computers these days. Think of something like a Nest thermostat, but much more complex. And when uh, these networks were set up, uh, they were intentional so that the uh, repair company could access the HVAC unit from their office remotely, not necessarily having to come on site every single time to diagnose something. And that led to an interesting compromise where the HVAC company was actually the one that got hacked and entirely uh, unintentional. They just, they're, a, they're an appliance company, not a computer company. So they didn't have the best security. Uh, when the credentials to the target network were found on their computers though, that's when things kind of went a little stray and uh, the attackers accessed the target network using the HVAC company's information and discovered they can do a lot more than just uh, touch uh, an appliance, they also could see the cash register network. So that goes into the failure of separation and segmentation. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So how, how can a company secure their, their Wi-Fi? Is it, I mean, is it as simple as like a certain kind of encryption or just stronger passwords or better equipment? You know, that's, that's a great question. And it's actually fairly simple these days. Um, you always want to have encryption turned on uh, if it's going to be a secured network. And we'll start with the basics. If you're going to be providing wireless to your guests or patrons, you want to have it on an entirely separate network to begin with, right? And that goes back to that network segmentation, keeping what's company private and what's uh, for your customers public. Um, so with that, you want to encrypt your corporate networks at all costs and you want to do strong encryption. You want to crank it all the way up to 11 um, and make sure that your devices are, you know, speaking to each other in a language that nobody else can determine. When it comes to your guests and public Wi-Fi, it's okay to keep it open. You have to understand that Starbucks and McDonald's keep it open too. But you want to make sure that you're using the right equipment there too to help keep the individual guests isolated from each other. You don't want somebody joining the network and then basically trying to hack all of your other guests um, within your facility. And so right. there's tools and uh, equipment out there that can help fill that particular uh, need to keep users separate, but still being able to access the internet when they need to. Yeah, okay. And, and you mentioned this when we first got started, but um, can, you know, can you think of, of five things that, that you can do as a company to strengthen your cybersecurity cyber workforce while they're working at home? I know you mentioned, you know, stronger passwords um, and, a, and a couple things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's take it back to the basics that we're learning more about every day, which is strong, secure passwords and even consider using a password manager. I get it. Having some big, complex, weird characters is not going to be, you know, easy to remember, especially if you have to have a different password which is very important, don't reuse passwords on right. every single service, right? So you may have your email and you may have your social media and you have all the different things in your life. So use secure passwords and consider a password manager. It can help you generate random passwords and it stores it in a vault with one simple to remember master password just for you. It could also be synchronized in the cloud, which is nice. So I can use it on my cell phone and on my laptop at the same time. Are, are those hard to set up? Because I know we've, we've looked at a couple of different systems and I, I, I feel like I start that process and then all of a sudden I get kind of overwhelmed. It's like, I got to download something. I got to print out this special thing that I write this password on. And then I'll start thinking, am I going to have to remember like every single password for everything I've ever done to get this software working? Like, I mean, is it hard to get something like that installed? Uh, there's a little bit of, of a curve at first, which is basically getting all of your current passwords either reset and updated or imported. But luckily, the tool is very good at integrating into your web browser. What that means is when you log into different sites, it'll capture that password that you use and say, hey, do you want me to add this to your vault? Okay. And over time, all of your passwords will eventually be migrated or imported into that vault. And then when you visit new websites that require you to set up an account, the password manager will offer you the opportunity to randomly generate one, and then it will save it so that you don't necessarily need to remember it. Okay. So, and that's, that's one of the big ones, right? After that, you know, number two on my list, I would say is 
the phishing emails uh, and awareness. It's it's big right now, and especially we're we're starting to see even text messages. Uh, I'll tell you right now, the uh, federal government and the IRS are not going to call you. They're not going to text you. Um, you know, these are things that uh, that attackers are trying to take advantage of. And even when it comes to businesses. Um, especially because we can't just walk over to somebody else's desk anymore and say, hey, did you send me this? Uh, it's a, you know, we're a little bit more distant. And because of that, we're very reliant on our you know, digital communication. And so when a request comes in that says, I need to transfer some money here, um, or I need you to click this link because it's very important and it has to be done right now, Right. Take a minute, um, maybe pick up the phone and call that individual just to verify and validate that that's an actual request. Um, you know, it, email is not going anywhere and the security tips that come from it aren't necessarily viruses and stuff anymore. It's now becoming what we call social engineering, which is convincing people to do what uh, you need them or want them to do right? with a false sense of authority. And so these are just things to... to you know, keep in mind next time you get a, an interesting request. Don't just click all links. Don't just open all attachments because it says you have to. Um, doesn't hurt to pick up the phone. And anyways, you might have a good conversation with that individual at the end of the day too. There is awareness and there is training and testing around that too. So there's software designed just to help employees learn and identify those things and even click the, this is spam button um, right. at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, I think I got a, a call one time that said like, this is, it was like a computer voice and it said, this is the social security office and there's a problem with your payment. You know, you need to like call us immediately or, or, or check your email or something like that. And, and yes, you, you get that stuff all the time. I mean, it's crazy. How many people out there are, are, are you know, trying to trick people all the time? Absolutely. It is. It's, it is. Um, and a lot of them sadly are trying to take advantage of um, the elderly too, because right. they're not um, maybe as well versed in some of this stuff. And, you know, it, it's all kinds of different tactics out there and you just have to, you know, recognize it when it happens. And you also just want to teach your friends and family, uh, especially if you're in the know, uh, you know, make sure to share that information with your loved ones and, and let them know that when these calls come in from Microsoft virus, right, uh, that it's not real and your computer is not going to explode. Um, right. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. you know, to, to, to be that trusted point of contact if, if something questionable happens, you know, so uh, that's, that's, I'd say number two on my list. Uh, the next one we talked about really briefly, which was Wi-Fi. I mean, it's not something we have to worry about as much right now since we're not going out. Um, but let's just say, you know, when things start to clean up, we're going to want to get out of the house and we're going to want to go to, you know, restaurants and buildings and things like that. And so public Wi-Fi still applies. And one of my, you know, things that I always say is if you don't speak it in public, don't transmit it in public. Okay. Right. Yeah. I would not say my credit card number out loud. I would not say my social security number out loud. I wouldn't share my medical records out loud. And that's the same rule of thumb when it comes to public Wi-Fi is you shouldn't transmit that information in public out loud either because that's what public Wi-Fi is. There are components of it that are out loud in a digital right. sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very and then, 
Yeah. Uh, number four on my list, I'd say is, uh, I mentioned it before too, is keep your software up to date. You know, we yeah. keep talking about Zoom, right? And Zoom um, is kind of a big target right now between the Zoom bombings where people are flooding into the rooms. Um, you know, a doctoral student was trying to give their, uh, you know, graduate thesis and they've shared their uh, Zoom channel online for other people to join and watch, which ended up turning into almost a bit of a nightmare. Right. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, update those programs. Zoom is updating, you should be updating it too. When your computer says it's due for an update, don't hesitate to run it. I understand it may take 10 or 15 minutes and you have to close all the things you're doing, but the benefits of running that update are gonna outweigh significantly any of that lost productivity for 10 minutes. You can go make a coffee in that time. Um, we know you're sitting next to the kitchen. <laughs> right, so yeah. um, those, those patches are essential, um, especially with more and more cyber attacks becoming more and more common. Yeah. So, and then uh, finally, the last one, and this just applies to you know, businesses considering um, you know, how do I control my work from home environment? And there's a very cool technology called DRM or digital rights management. Uh, think of this as how to control your devices once they leave your office. D um, DRM suites can do everything from, you know, block programs from being installed, right? Uh, if you're just downloading things willy-nilly from the internet, that could be a problem. It could also help prevent people from stealing corporate documents and putting them on USB drives or burning them to a CD. Okay. Um, some of the more basic uses are physical theft. So let's say an iPhone uh, or an Android phone uh, or even a laptop has DRM software installed on it and it decides to grow a pair of legs and walk away. Um, you can uh, disable that laptop or phone remotely, right? You basically have to report it as stolen, and then all of the data on that laptop is no longer accessible. Um, once right. it connects online, it'll call home, it'll be reported stolen and essentially wiped. Um, yeah. And so being able to uh, keep your corporate data safe is very important, especially once it leaves your office. You know, there's a lot of workplaces that are just not used to having their um, intellectual property leaving the building. And right now is a tough time where we need to figure out how to allow work to continue, but stay safe, you know, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so at the end of the day, you know, of those, you know, five tips, uh, my, my rule of thumb is just follow what your employer says, right? Um, most companies have an IT team and maybe even a network and security team. And they're going to go ahead and research a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, and they're going to share those messages. So you should be getting notifications and updates about how to stay safe at home, what the company practice and expectation is from its employees, and you should abide by that. Don't try to circumvent the rules. Don't try to go to certain websites that you're not supposed to go to just because you're at home. Um, and the last thing is that, you know, this is a work computer. You should consider everything on it sensitive, delicate, and it's not a toy. Right. What you do on your personal computers at home should stay very separate from what you do from your work equipment. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's helpful. Um, and, and earlier, you know, you mentioned location services and, and governments using that information um, to track you. You know, when we were talking about the virus, is, is there anything that, that people should be concerned about, you know, when they, you know, when they start to travel more, you know, with with, um, you know, with business? Yeah, so uh, if you're traveling internationally, you should always report it to the State Department. That's one of the things that they have an entire website dedicated to letting uh, 
letting the government know when you're traveling internationally for safety purposes. Okay. Right now we're seeing a lot online um, and on the news about people abroad that are stuck um, right. and having to reach out to the state department to figure out how to charter flights home. Um, but, uh, you know, but on the opposite polar end of, of the good stuff, you know, when you enter um, another country or when you're entering another telecom, you know, they don't necessarily have to follow the same rules we do here in the United States. And your device uh, should be considered um, tainted at that point. Oftentimes when you travel to other countries, uh, we always suggest to bring what we call a burner phone or a burner laptop, which is a piece of hardware that, um, you know, has left and you don't know what's going on somewhere else. Uh, you know, we do our updates over the air is what we call them. That's where the cell phone or, uh, downloads its updates from the internet. And that internet can be intercepted and it can also be, um, you know, used to push out malicious stuff to your devices. So when, you know, when traveling, just be very considerate about what you're taking with you. And if you have to, that, um, you know, anywhere you go outside that's out of our control, um, should be considered a, a dangerous area when it comes to cybersecurity. So could, could something be downloaded, I guess, on your laptop or your phone that, you know, once you got back into the States, maybe it would, it would transmit data or something. I think, I think I heard something about that. I don't know if it was, if, if it was TikTok or, or something about somebody went to another country, they came back. And then that information from their phone, I think it was Jeff Bezos. I think some, some information was getting kind of shared from his phone somehow. Absolutely. And this, this just falls into that whole component of if you're using it for business, don't use it for personal, um, right. especially because social media and fun little apps like TikTok are considered personal, in my opinion. And yeah. uh, yes, a lot of these apps um, may be tracking different things. I hate to pick on Zoom again, but they got... Uh, you know, called out for sending all of your uh, data on the iPhone app to Facebook, whether you had a Facebook account or not. Right. Uh, that's been removed, hence why you should patch. But, um, you know, a lot of these, these different trends may also fall under some of that disinformation idea where other countries just want to collect information on us and see what they can get us to download and do. Um, I'm all about the coolest, latest videos online and doing the dances and fun stuff like that. But right. um, the programs that we use, we do have to be very careful with that. So yeah, what you know, leaving the country uh, could potentially compromise devices, but also some of the things we do here at home uh, and the apps we choose to download uh, could potentially compromise our devices. So we have to, you know, consider that and tread wisely uh, yeah. and only do the necessary. Uh, again, when it comes to your work devices. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about kind of other devices, I know we touched, um, yesterday when we were talking, we touched briefly on 3D printers. Um, and I think we found, I, I found the story where uh, some hospitals in Italy were doing some, using 3D printers to um, manufacture some pieces that would help turn scuba, scuba gear, or scuba masks into ventilators or make, makeshift ventilators. Um, what, what do you see, you know, what are you, I think you said you have a, a 3D printer. What are you doing with your 3D printer and, and where do you see 3D printers kind of going from here? 3D printers are so cool. Um, I did recently pick up one um, for Black Friday last year and, uh, you know, I think it's wonderful. And so 
the the idea is that you can print any mechanical physical objects in, in three dimensions and so yes these the opportunity to print uh plastic components for medical devices has has definitely risen um what they're doing in italy with it is great you know they figured out how to make an adapter and it's very simple to print it doesn't take very long and anybody can do it at home um, over here in the U.S., uh, the National Institute of Health actually has an entire 3D printer website. Um, it's, it's 3dprint.nih.gov, and they are taking submissions of uh, mechanical drawings and mechanical engineers' uh, work to uh, analyze and determine whether or not these submissions are medically sound. Um, anything from uh, face mask visors to allow you to use maybe like a film, a transparency film right. to cover your mask um, to different types of adapters for ventilators. Um, and it, it's quite incredible. I'm actually looking uh, into what I can print. There's different types of materials. And so I don't have all of the, the different types of plastic that are, are safe for, for a lot of skin contact, um, but I'm looking to acquire some, but it is happening um, all over the country and all over the world. So 3D printers are uniting and um, making all kinds of extra um, PPE devices and things like that to help protect uh, our medical force. Awesome, very cool, very cool. Um, well, this is this has been great. Um, de definitely appreciate your time, uh, Nicholas. Do you have a question you want to ask? Um, what makes your company different from other companies like this? So um, we focus uh, solely on cybersecurity, right? And it's it's just a growing space. It's not going anywhere. If anything, it's going to continue to get better from here. And one of the big things that we try to tout is that we do what's called trusted advisor. Uh, especially in my position, I love to just talk about what your business is doing, what are the different ways that you need to be securing yourself, and not necessarily what's gonna be maybe the most expensive product or the product that's gonna make me the most money as a referral. The key is what's gonna work best for you and building that relationship and making sure that we're doing this as a team. Right, and that I fully understand what your goals are as an organization and how we can suit those needs. Um, because six months down the road, if a product fails on you or something is just generally, you know, not what you needed and it made me a quick buck, uh, that's going to be no good for anybody. And so right. we heavily focus on um, that relationship, that trusted advisor stance. And you know, being a part of your team. We even have a whole managed division, right? There's one thing where I can help you acquire a firewall and set it up, but we also understand that a lot of businesses um, have grown a lot and, and grown in different directions and maybe cybersecurity isn't one of them. And so if you need help augmenting that staff or outsourcing some of those components, we can help handle that too. We found it to be very, um, successful in the, you know, across uh, the industry. Uh, we're in a couple of major retailers where they acknowledge, you know what, it's very tough right now to hire cybersecurity. I understand it is in high demand, um, but we need somebody to help us now and we need somebody to help us 24 seven. And, you know, we even have, you know, we even have services uh, around that. So okay. just being there, being supportive and understanding the goal at hand uh, is one of those big differentiators. It's, it's not about the quick profit. It's about the, it's about the long game and um, you know, being there till the end. Okay. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I should explain, this is my son, Nicholas. He's 
um, working on some schoolwork here. So, um, so I thought I, I thought I would invite him to learn a little bit more about what you're up to. Um, this is this has been this has been great. Um, definitely appreciate um, you know all the information and, and appreciate your time today. Um, how's how's the best way for people to learn more about GuidePoint Security or to get in touch with you? Absolutely. So they can uh, visit our website, which is guidepointsecurity.com, spelled G-U-I-D-E-P-O-I-N-T. And uh, if you want to reach out to me, um, I am a little bit of a, a social media person, so I can be found on Twitter uh, at my full name, which is Jonathan Singer, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-I-N-G-E-R. Um, reach out, say hello. Um, I love to talk about cybersecurity. Um, I also love to share my knowledge and any opportunity I get. Um, and if there's anything that, you know, either myself or GuidePoint Security can help you out with, please feel, don't hesitate to, to reach out and, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Okay, great. Thank you very much. We'll have that information in the show notes. And um, thanks again and hope you have a good rest of the day. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast. To email us your thoughts on today's conversation or suggestions for future podcasts, email us at pgrinfo at plantgrocery.com.